Welcome to the LaCue Family Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about finding the right balance between work and play and rest. If you're like me, you find yourself in a continual struggle of balancing your time and managing activities of your family to ensure that our family doesn't become overly busy or overly lazy to ensure that we're working hard while also finding time to play and time to get the rest that we need. This episode coincides with a blog that I've written for Celebrate Kids, and I'll be expanding on what I wrote there. And I pray that this will encourage you as you go about the work that you've been tasked with today. In my previous blog titled Nine Steps to Finding Rest that I wrote also for Celebrate Kids, I discussed the aspect of rest in greater detail. And today I'd like to talk more about the balance between work and play and a little bit about rest as well, but mostly focusing on this balance between work and play. So let's get started and see if we can't find a better balance between work and play and rest. Thanks for joining us today. Well, my dad knew how to play hard. Whether he was pulling us through the snow on a sled behind a four-wheeler, taking us water skiing at the break of dawn, or building us the tallest swing set that we'd ever seen, he enjoyed playing hard. He also knew how to work hard. He created a successful farming business, raising cattle, spreading fertilizer, renting and farming land himself, and also selling feed and probably many more activities that I never even knew about, while also teaching his employees and us kids through his example and his clear expectations of diligence and hard work. He learned how to manage the business on his own without receiving any formal training, and then he also taught others how to be successful in working in those ways to meet the needs in their community. My grandparents were also hard workers, and it's easy to see how this philosophy of hard work has been passed down from generation to generation in my family. I remember a plaque that was displayed prominently on the wall in my grandparents' home and then later in my dad's office. It said, when I works, I works hard. When I plays, I plays hard. And when I sits, I falls asleep. Though grammatically incorrect, these words exhibited a mindset that has been prominent throughout our family's history. Years ago, I learned that my ancestors were among those who were allowed to immigrate to America with an exemption from military service because they were known to be hard workers and because our president at the time recognized that our nation needed workers to grow crops in the Midwest. Groups of Mennonite pacifists, such as my ancestors, came to settle in Kansas and Nebraska and other Midwestern states, and they began to work the land and produce the food that fed our nation. Generation after generation worked in the fields and tended to their animals. My dad also learned to work hard and play hard, and he often would then fall asleep as soon as he sat down to rest. In many ways, he personified the words on that plaque that hung in my grandparents' home. My husband grew up in a family with a similarly strong work ethic. He recalls hearing his dad often say, well, someone has to do it. Perhaps you've encountered similar phrases. They don't seem as common now in our society as they once were. I don't hear them as often as I used to. Where once we may have been told either help or get out of the way, now we might be more likely to hear something like, 
you deserve a break today. The use of this phrase as a well-known advertising slogan, which you may have heard, may indicate a change in our mindset as a society. While our grandparents or our great-grandparents may have been known as the greatest generation, as they were labeled, with achievements that reached far beyond those of other generations before them, now we're experiencing labor shortages along with an outrageously high number of welfare recipients. I'm reminded of a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting in verse 10, we read, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord." It is a common tendency to forget the source of abundance and to fail to recognize the value of what has been received when little or no personal effort has been expended. I recently attended an inauguration ceremony. My brother was inaugurated as the president of Tabor College and a friend of his, Mike Jordahl, who's the senior vice president of the Navigators, was the uh, keynote speaker, and he encouraged us to pray as Jesus prayed. In Matthew 9:38 and Luke 10, verse 2, Jesus instructs us to pray for laborers. Mr. Jordahl not only inspired us to pray for workers, but also to be the workers that Jesus prayed for to be willing to do the work ourselves when God calls us to do it. I see this willingness in my mother. Though her life has changed significantly since my dad died, I still clearly observe this ethic of hard work in her. When she sees something that needs to be done, she does it. She doesn't make excuses or focus on all the reasons why she could ignore the task needing to be done, but rather than waiting for someone else to do the work, she steps up to do it herself. As I analyze this mindset and decide whether to continue to pass on this same work ethic to my own kids, I recognize some truths that apply. I believe my parents' work ethic stems from a respect for God, which in turn leads to care for others and an attitude of humility. It comes from an understanding that God created us to be workers, as it states in Genesis 2.15. And it's based on an acceptance of the responsibility that God gave us to rule over and subdue the earth, which is in Genesis 1.28. It is birthed out of having received the power of the Holy Spirit, which it describes in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it comes from an acknowledgement that God is the one who gives us the strength and the ability to accomplish the work that he has set out for us to do. This is described in Psalm 68, verse 35. This semester, we have allowed our youngest son to enroll in pretty much all the activities that he wanted to do. His schedule is full with an activity almost every evening and a full and challenging course load. 
I've struggled lately with wondering if we've filled our schedule a little too full. We've gone through these cycles throughout our our lives, especially with kids and with homeschooling of being too busy and committing to too many things and then scaling back and and pulling back and not being involved in things and having times where we maybe weren't involved in as many things as we should have been and then going back back and forth between too much and too little trying to find some balance in between. Of course, we always want our kids to explore their interests and to develop their talents, but we also have to keep the needs of our whole family balanced with the needs or the wants or desires of each individual in the family. We can't meet every desire of every child and still function well as a family. But we thought that this semester we could manage his schedule and that we could take on all these things and then reevaluate at the end of the year which things he wanted to continue and and allow him time to explore various different interests before he had to decide between one or the other and which he would pursue. Well, about a month ago on Labor Day, we made a somewhat spontaneous decision to add another distraction to our schedule, if I can call it to that, um, into our lives. And we got a puppy. Sometimes when the cares of the world seem so heavy and the burden of the workload on our shoulders seems so great, it helps to have a little something in our lives that seems to lighten the load for a time. A pet can be that companion that helps to lighten our load a little bit. And that little addition of joyfulness and playfulness of a puppy, we thought, could maybe lift our mood at times when things were very serious and somber and just life was full of a lot of hard work. But it can also be a distraction and something that adds more work and takes more of our time. Well, when we got the puppy... I don't know that we realized just how much of a distraction he would be. (laughs) We find ourselves continually saying things like, he's so cute, I just can't stop watching him. But we have to stop watching him and stop playing with him and return to the work that needs to be done. It's so much easier to play with a puppy than do work. It's easier to scroll through social media or watch puppy videos or text with a friend or and numerous other things are easier than doing the work that is set before us. Have you ever encountered this problem? You reach for your phone to complete a task such as sending an email that you need to send or some other work that needs to be done. But when you pick up your phone, there's a notification or the last thing that you had looked at on your phone distracts you. And 30 minutes later, you finally return your focus to sending that email that was your reason for reaching for your phone in the first place. Sometimes I find that I completely forget to accomplish the task for which I originally picked up my phone and set out to do. Our phones can be a wonderful tool, but they can also easily entertain or distract us from the work that we really need to be doing. Some of us struggle with staying focused more than others, and we need to recognize our own limitations in this regard and make accommodations or set boundaries that protect us from being overwhelmed or overly distracted. 
I recently spoke with another mom who has a child that has brainstorms, which make it difficult for him to focus on work or any kinds of significant learning. When he begins to learn something new um, or for any significant amount of time, his brain often becomes overloaded and he then begins to have a seizure. Several of my friends that have kids with unique brain structure um, have learned to simply enjoy more times of play or rest. Changing our mindset to accommodate the differences like this in a child's brain um, might not always be easy. For those parents who have a strong work ethic, it can be a challenge to set aside our to-do lists and to plan more times of play into our schedule. With our daughter, Abby, who has Down syndrome, we've often struggled to find the correct balance between how much work we should expect her to accomplish and how much we should just allow her to do the things that she enjoys. I cringe at the realization that I've often pushed her too hard and expected too much out of her and caused her unnecessary frustration. I remember when she was in first grade and I was trying to help her keep up with the other first graders in her class as they were learning phonics and learning how to read. And I pushed a little too hard and we had a lot of clashes and I realized that there were times and and instances where I needed someone else to come in and help me teach her because my patience and my ability to to slow down um, I, that I needed someone to help me in some of those times and so I brought in a tutor um, to help her with phonics and with some of her education so that I could hand off some of those things that were a little more challenging for me to do. I know we can't always hand off those things to someone else and so it can be a, a real challenge for parents who have that strong work ethic and who have a long to-do list of things that need to be done to be able to to pull back and and recognize that that our our work ethic can can clash with our child's abilities and that's what i had to realize with abby is that my strong work ethic that i had grown up with all my life that that sometimes was clashing with abby's ability level i've had to continually check and adjust my mindset to coincide with her unique characteristics Here's an example, another example. Abby prefers to read her Bible and sing worship music most of the day, which is wonderful, and I love that about her. And it's, she has such a sweet spirit and such a strong desire and love for God's Word and a love for God. And I love that she wants to read her Bible and sing worship music and praise and worship God. But we've struggled because we, we find ourselves saying things like, Abby, you need to stop reading your Bible and get your schoolwork done. <laughs> and it just doesn't seem right when we say that. We love the fact that she reads her Bible and she enjoys and truly loves God's Word. But it seems like she also needs to practice her handwriting and learn maybe a little bit more about American history or understand fractions and percentages or whatever else it is that she also needs to learn. 
Even now, as she's working towards becoming more independent, I struggle to know how much of her time should be spent on tasks such as cooking and cleaning and pursuing employment as opposed to time spent studying scripture and worshiping God. And maybe she can do both. Maybe she can pursue employment through studying scripture and worshiping God. And and we're working on that and trying to figure that out. But often Abby's priorities seem more correct than mine. And I don't want to have a negative influence on her by taking her away from God's call to spend time pursuing him. But because the Bible gives us the example of God working hard for six full days before he rested, I have come to think that I also need to work for six full days every week. And I also know that learning God's word and spending time pursuing him is never a waste. So as I've gotten older, I have begun to realize, um, started to realize more and more that my pursuit of God is what is most important. The work that has to be done to survive, that actually comes after we pursue God and spend time in his presence. Jesus told us that man does not live on bread alone. It's in Matthew 4.4 and Deuteronomy 8.3. The practical work for our day-to-day sustenance comes after we first declare our dependence on God and we look to Him for our provision. Of course, play and rest follow after that, but so often in our society we get these out of order. The older I get, the more I also realize that work and play and rest are all important, but if we emphasize working too much, that's not good. We can probably all name someone that we would consider a workaholic. If we emphasize playing too much, that's also not good. We can probably name someone who seems to focus most of their time and attention on play, which is great at times to be around them, but there's times when the work needs to get done and it's not as much of a benefit to be around that person. And if we allow ourselves to rest too often, that's not good either. And perhaps you or someone you know really struggles with the tendency towards laziness. As I watched my parents get older, I observed how they gradually moved towards finding a better balance with this, which is what I pray for myself and for you as well, that we find a better balance. My parents placed priority on time with God, and despite all that they accomplished, they were not too prideful to stop and do a menial task, not too selfish to give of their time working for others, not too busy to make time to do what needed to be done. When they recognized a need and they could meet that need, they understood that God was likely calling them to do the work. They acted in obedience to God, and God abundantly rewarded their faithful obedience. As I read about the Israelites, and I've been going through a a chronological Bible reading plan that, that you can join me with on this podcast, And we've been reading about the Israelites and seeing this pattern with them. Um, And we read about various individuals in the Bible. And I've also observed the lives of many faithful Christians around me where I see this same pattern of how God rewards the obedience of his people with abundant blessings. When we attended my brother's inauguration ceremony, I saw several friends that I hadn't seen in 20 or some almost 30 years. Over and over again, as we told the story of our lives, we saw God's provision and God's faithfulness. 
Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 was a passage that was chosen for emphasis on the night of the inauguration ceremony. Coincidentally, this was the same passage that my husband and I had chosen for our wedding, which was exactly 27 years earlier. We read here that God is able to do immeasurably more or as some versions say in this Ephesians 3 passages, passage, exceedingly abundant. God can do immeasurably more or exceedingly abundant beyond all we can ask for or even imagine. Imagine your greatest desire. God can provide immeasurably more, something far greater, something so much better. I can attest to the fact that when I pray and obey, God provides far above beyond what I request. It might look completely different than what I had expected, but it is always better. As I continued my conversation with this friend, this mom whose child has brainstorms and struggles to learn without becoming quickly overwhelmed and having seizures, We both came to this realization that God was accomplishing his work in our kids' lives. In the midst of the struggle to understand how God created this young boy's brain in a unique way, and in the midst of our attempts to love and care for our kids with God's love, with God's patience and long-suffering, and with God's priorities— we could see, we could point to, we could identify some amazing results of how God was doing a work in our lives and in the lives of others around us. We even made the comment that the work that God's doing in our kids, we are just blessed and fortunate to have a front row seat in seeing what God is doing through them that God is doing a great work in them that's beyond beyond anything that we could have planned or that we would have ever dreamed of, that we could have ever imagined. He's doing a greater work in them than anything that we could have imagined in, in their lives, in our children's lives, or in the lives of others around us or in our own life. So whatever you're facing today, whether you find yourself, again, wiping counters and noses and bottoms with little kids or struggling to find better ways to teach phonics and fractions or whether you're struggling to find that balance between work and play with a child who has a unique brain or whatever it is that you're dealing with, I encourage you to continue to pray and obey and do the work. Then be prepared to someday see God bless your obedience with his overwhelming abundance. Well, thanks for listening today. I pray that this has been an encouragement to you and that you will be blessed by listening and will be ready to move forward and do the work that God has has for you to do today. Have a great day. 